I didn't inherit millions. I took a hundred bucks, figured out how to make a hundred thousand a year. Then I figured out how to make a hundred thousand a month. Then I figured out how to make a hundred thousand a week. Then I figured out how to make a hundred thousand a day. Now a goal is if my business is gonna make a hundred thousand dollars an hour, that's $835 million a year. I haven't figured out how to do that yet. That's baller money. What's up, Ty? Mr. Mark Cuban. Kobe. Who's the biggest mentor for you? Michael Jordan, Magic yeah. Johnson. T.O. Oh, man, Ty. We gotta do that Kevin Hart giveaway. We're going to Kevin Hart giveaway. I told him that he needs to give away a house. I structure my life. I have the simplest structure for life. In the day, I never do anything fun. I mean, I do. Well, let me just take it back. I never do. Like, I never go to a movie in the day. Ever. Like, zero movies in the day. I never, like, will watch Netflix in the day. Zero. I just divide my day in two parts. The day is, like, working. And then the second, it's, like, eight at night. Every day. Once it comes eight at night, I'm, like, I'm having fun. So if you watch my Snapchat, it's like nighttime is when you'll see like pretty girls or you'll see like me going out or at clubs or at movies. Like you have to be able to create a schedule that includes work, but you have to have fun in it too. And that's why people are like, dude, you're the most motivated person. I'm like, who wouldn't be motivated if they were me? I only have to work for like eight to 10 hours and then I know something fun is going to happen. There's something called there. There was a a book written years ago. It's called Butterfly Theory. You know Butterfly Theory. It's based on math, and it basically says hurricane that happens in Miami that hit. You know the hurricane that hit um, Pan, uh, Puerto Rico and hit Houston and all that. A butterfly flapping its wings in Indonesia can start a hurricane in Florida. The small effect of the wings, it picks up speed. It causes this cause and effect, this cause and effect. The next thing you know, you have 90 mile an hour winds blowing. Puerto Rico, what? They're not going to have power for six months or something like that? It's a freaking nightmare. All because of a butterfly? Butterfly. Butterfly effect. What was the, it was a famous, uh, in the 1800s, it was a famous guy. Um, What's his his Uh, mathematician? Not Pascal, but one of those guys. Descartes. Yeah, it's not Descartes. Descartes was like in the 17, earlier than that. But what happens is in the world. Fibonacci? Fibonacci's way before. Way before that. You guys are in the wrong century. I'm going to Google it. In the wrong century. Farts are more powerful than a butterfly flapping its wings. Zach's gas is causing. Well, then then you you should be liable right now. Yeah, you got some liability. Did you throw paper towels like Trump did? (laughs) Did you see that? Trump was throwing paper towels at people in Puerto Rico. They got blasted for that. Somebody said, son, this is so funny. It's not Blair Pascal, blah, Pascal. It's not blah either. Somebody said blah, Pascal. But the point being, your life is also a ripple effect. So small, stupid decisions or small, intelligent decisions are what end you up making millions, like we're talking about, whether you're 21 or you're 200 years old. Let me show you some, a little trick here. Very few people know this. In the long term, woo, this is the world's worst board here. All right. In the long term, how do you know how much something is worth? What's a guaranteed way to know how some, much something's worth? Like I said, Bitcoin, had you put $100 into it in 2010, you'd have $75 million in the end. Uh, but there's a lot of risk because what, it could have gone down, although you would only lost 100 bucks. The true worth of anything 
is, I'm gonna give you guys kind of a complicated answer and then I'm gonna explain it. It's the present value of future revenue. So at the end of the day, everything in the stock market, real estate market, Bitcoin, it's still gonna be predicated on the same freaking thing. How much would you pay today to have a future sum of revenue? So like buying apartment complexes. The advantage of buying apartment complex is you got 50 people living in your apartment. If one or two of them don't pay the rent, you still got 48 people paying you, paying you every month. So it's a diversified portfolio of people paying you money and you can discount that for all of you math whizzes. There's calculators, you can do this. I used to be in the finance industry. You take a calculator, you add up, you enter in the super, uh, the, the future sums of revenue that you'll get. You discount them with an interest rate and you come up with how much that thing's worth today. So the house you live in, let's say that's $500,000 or $100,000 or 1 million. The present value of that is somebody, the market calculating how much that house is gonna generate in the future. And there's two things that we'll get a little more advanced here. I wasn't planning to get this advanced right at the beginning, but I'm, I'm, I'm here in it. Um, there's two ways that you make money in anything. Stock market, real estate, there's two ways. Uh, one is cap appreciation, capital appreciation, okay? And the second one is cash flow. So with an apartment complex, in this example, or Bitcoin, you got two ways you're making money. One is potentially someone's gonna buy your apartment complex for more than you paid. So you paid a million for it. Eventually, hopefully you sell it for two million. So you, you make the appreciation, that's a million bucks profit. But secondarily, you got cash flow from it. And when you have both of those things, it's very diversified. So let me go into this nine things here real quick. Um, this was a little side tangent, but it's an important one to lay the foundation of what I'm talking about. Let me, any questions on this right here? Uh, MMM, Ina said capital appreciation and cash flow, good. Uh, is there an app to do stocks? I mean, I use TD, uh, you can, like TD Ameritrade has an app, but it depends. There's different brokerages you can use. Somebody said, Ty, depends where the building is. Yes, with real estate, Location still matters. You know, Donald Trump is a very controversial president. People basically either love him or hate him. He was a good, he was pretty good at real estate. And one of the things he said, if you read his, any of his books, um, he, would, he would pay more to be in a better location. He didn't always look for the deal. Sometimes you get what you pay for. Playboy Izzy said, thoughts on Hugh Hefner. Hey, Hugh Hefner is a guy that utilizes categories right here sales. He built a licensing company. People don't realize the way, uh, Hugh Hefner, by the way, died last night yeah, or two nights ago. And um, people don't understand. I actually, uh, as knock on wood, I was kind of lucky. I went to the last Hugh Hefner party at his house last month. It's called the Midsummer Night Dream. And his son, Cooper Hefner, invited me. Apparently he follows me on social media because he randomly tweeted out to me and said, do you want to come to a party? So I went there and that was the last one. That party's been going since I think the 60s. So it was kind of cool to be there. Um, it was kind of cool to be there. Um, anyway, but Hugh Hefner used all these sales. He built a licensing division. 
that had licensed Playboy things around the world. In China, you got, you got perfume, you have you know, Playboy sweatpants and all that. And he took, usually a licensing company, he would get 5% of any company. Now, he didn't have to run the companies. Remember how I said it's not just about working hard, it's about working smart? So think about this. Hugh Hefner creates the brand called Playboy, becomes well-known, globally known, and instead of him trying to make money just on his own work, he said, listen, any of you can use my, um, you guys can use my platform or my brand name, Playboy, and you can make a condom line, you can make a sock line. He said, I don't care. He would charge them up front. So he'd be like, you give me a million bucks up front on day one, and then you give me 5%. It, it, and it varied, I'm just saying, on average, 5%. And, this do, and, and, Hugh Hefner, and those brands did $1 billion a year, those different companies using the one Playboy brand, and he made 5%. So he made, he, it's actually he made a little more, but he was making, let's say, $100 bucks plus a year from a division of sales. I could make a further subcategory under this number one sales, which is called licensing. So under sales, you could put licensing, you could put franchising. That's what, if you've read, if you've seen the movie that just came out called The Founder with Michael Keaton, it's the story of McDonald's. And one of the things Ray Kroc did, instead of working hard, he worked hard and smart. And he said the McDonald's brothers, they were just working hard, but not smart. And the McDonald's brothers were two brothers here in Los Angeles County out like I think they were in like Riverside or something, out that direction. And they, by the way, stole the idea from Carl's Jr. <laughs> Carl's Jr. was first before McDonald's. The, the McDonald's brothers took that idea, built one hamburger joint. They built one. And you know what this guy named Ray A. Kroc, who was just a traveling salesman, that's all he did right here. He was a traveling salesman in number one sales. Remember how I told you the reason you want to learn sales because billionaires usually, about 70% of them, start in sales or at some point participate in sales. There's a good book on this. I'll try to put a link to it. But he shows up to the McDonald's brothers and he says, he says, he was selling milkshake machines and, and packages. And he said, you want to buy a milkshake thing? And they were like, yeah. And then he said, man, you guys are doing really well. You've created a badass system. He said, why don't you make more of these across the United States? And the guy goes... Uh, the two brothers go, well, we don't want to. It'll be hard to manage. And basically, Ray Kroc said, forget that. And he sold McDonald's. I mean, he bought McDonald's eventually from them for like, do you know how little he paid? This is a crazy story. It's going to blow your mind. The McDonald's brothers sold, I think he paid them a million or something each. Now, this is a long time ago. It was like in the fifth, uh, no, no. Was it in the 60s or 70s? I can't remember the year, but I think it was 60 or 70s. He, he bought it for $1 million then, okay? And at first, the McDonald's brothers owned a part of the new McDonald's, but they sold it to him. If they had kept it, their annual share of the profits of McDonald's today, now they're not alive, but today, is $100 bucks a year. And they sold it out, man, for like a million bucks it's stupid because the people don't understand the school system, the stuff I'm telling you right now, you don't realize you're lucky that I'm telling you this. I'm not saying that in a cocky way. Trust me, you're lucky because people didn't tell me this. Some of you are young. If you learn this stuff young, one of my mentors, Alan Nation, said, he said, I said, what do you think about young people 
who learn this stuff. He goes, they're the lucky ones. The true definition of luck in the modern world is those of you who learn early. You figure out your destiny early. Everybody tells you you got to spend your whole life, you know, finding yourself. Nope. The lucky ones figure it out very, very early. Okay. So sales. Now let's go here to real estate because the other way that McDonald's made a tremendous amount of money, people don't realize this. Who do you think owns some of the best real estate in the world? Where, where's their McDonald's in New York? Times Square, the hearts of Manhattan. I, I um, was just at a place uh, in Soho, Spring and Hudson, one of the prime real estate places. If you saw the place, I was leasing it. I decided not to keep it because too small. I'm used to these bigger places in California. New York is like so compacted. It makes me go crazy. If you're from Southern California, man, New York takes some while to get used to. But McDonald's is right there on the corner. Prime real estate. So McDonald's made money in sales. Hugh Hefner, by the way, made money in sales. They made money in e-commerce. Specifically, Playboy did. Um, and then they had physical businesses. If you go to Vegas, there's a Playboy. there was a Playboy club Okay, there was even a Playboy Airlines at one point. But real estate, you know that Hugh Hefner's mansion sold for $100 million. And I think he bought it for, God, I forget. Look up what Hugh Hefner paid originally. Was it like five million bucks or something? And of course, appreciation. And he made a ton of money during the time. So you guys need to master at least, well, you need to master all of these, but you can't do necessarily nine at the same time. You don't necessarily going to do commodities, currencies, crypto, stock market, gold, silver, real estate, physical business, e-commerce sales. But some of you will. And I promise if any of you ever get your portfolio to the place that you have nine operating, rocking and rolling at one time, you'll have more money than you have now. That's what I'll guarantee you right now. If you get nine of these operating. How much? Yeah, he bought the Playboy Mansion for one million. And he sold it for 100 mil. Not a bad appreciation. One turns into 100. Okay? And Playboy as a company is probably worth anywhere from two to 500 million. Only the sucker doesn't know that some hands of poker you win and some you don't. Imagine you're playing poker in Vegas. I'm going to Vegas this weekend. Imagine somebody sits down at a poker table and goes, why didn't I win every hand? I'm not gonna play poker anymore. No, in poker, all you gotta do is win more hands than you lose. And you don't even have to win more hands. You just gotta win bigger on the winning hands than you do on the small losing hands. And that's the same with investing in real estate, in business. Don't fear the cycles as part of it. It's like hands of poker. Just make sure you win at the right time. So it probably means in the next year or two, we're gonna enter probably into some kind of recessionary period. Nobody knows. But in general, about every eight to 12 years, you have some level of contraction and crash. I don't care if Donald Trump's the president. I don't care if Obama is the president. It's the name of the game. It goes, and you may, I've been able to make money on the down and the up, you know? It's, it's, it's part of the poker game of money. Poker is a great analogy for making money. You have to know how to read people. You have to know how to adjust and adapt to the hand that was dealt you. Some of you are complaining about the hand that was dealt you. Welcome to the game of poker of life. <laughs> Some people, sometimes the hand's fair. Sometimes you're dealt, you know, the crappiest hand, and sometimes you, you got, you know, 
four aces. Doesn't happen too often, but you could have four aces right out the gate. And there's people like that. They inherit their money. And there's people who start out with a crap hand. They, they fold the first deal, but it's a retreat like a wise general so that you can win on the back end. Some of the wisest generals in the military retreated. Let's go through three ways. Okay. We only have time for three. Great. For the average person mm -hmm. to go from the job they don't like, okay, mm -hmm. full-time, the average person has a nine-to-five they don't particularly care for, to yep. either a side hustle, which is like a part-time mm -hmm. income, or a $100 startup. What If you had to distill it down, I always say, last day on planet Earth, you have to leave a manual for your children. And you only have time to write three things. So they're not, you don't want to be, be too general. What are the three most important principles to creating either a side hustle or a $100 startup? Number one. Yes. Awesome. I like it. Uh, number one, I would say, look at the skills you already have, as opposed to trying to go out and get a bunch of new skills. Because when it comes to starting an income generating project, whether you want it to be your side hustle, like you said, or whether you want it to be your full-time income, your beyond full-time income, your thing that makes you a lot of money. Uh, I think a lot of people have the wrong idea and they're like, oh, you know, I should look and see what what's happening out in the world. People are making apps. I should make an app. And I'm like, okay, do you know how to code? They're like, nope. Like, are you a web developer? They're like, nope. So look at the skills you already have. And it's very likely that those are the skills, the life experience. If you went to college, whatever schooling you had, that's what we can use, you know, to essentially develop your side hustle or your income generating project. And you need to learn some businessy skills, but those are really simple. Like the businessy skills are what I talk about in the books. You learn those, you apply them to what you already know, and that's where you're going to see your success. So basically, <clears throat> Peter Drucker in his book, Managing Oneself, which I consider mm. one of the great books, he says, build on strength. So would you agree? It, that is very similar to what you're saying, because obviously, if you've never done something, mm. it's not going to be a strength. So the fact, yeah. so you're saying build on something, you, you, you basically, you already have something up your sleeve that you probably don't realize you have. Do you find that most people listening actually have something up their sleeve that's marketable skill that can be turned into a side hustle part-time business or a full-time startup? I think, uh, I think everyone's an expert at something. And I think sometimes they don't know what it is. So sometimes they kind of look and they're like, well, I did this, I did this. This is what I do for my job. I know how to do my job, but I don't necessarily know how to apply it. So I think they have to pull it out sometimes or tease it out. But I do think everyone has it. I'll give you an example. Uh, and I wrote about this in, in the, the new book. Uh, there's a guy named Tanner who goes on a cruise with his wife never been on a cruise before, wasn't sure what to expect. And he came back and he was like, it was actually a pretty good experience. It would have been better if I'd had some information before I left. Like he was wondering, can I watch Netflix on a cruise? How does internet access work? All that kind of stuff. So he was a copywriter for his day job. So he's using the skill he already had. He created a really simple WordPress blog. Like mm -hmm. anybody can make, you know, designs pretty bad by his own admission. And on that blog, he's basically answering questions about cruises. Like, can I watch Netflix on a cruise? Writes a mm. whole post about it. You know, can I watch HBO? Blah, blah, blah. You know, he connects that really simple blog with the bad design to uh, Google's AdSense program, where people come and they read the post, they click a link, he gets paid a little commission. 
we go about six months into the story, uh, six months of him posting, you know, like an article or two a day, and he's making $3,000 a month wow. from this little blog. And just you know, part-time, not, probably. Part-time, yeah. He's just doing I mean, he's got his job still, right? So now it's nine months, and he's making like $4,000 a month. It's, it's been about a year now. I, I need to go back and talk to him because it's been three months. But three months ago, he's doing $4,000 a month. So that's real money, right? This is not like a few hundred bucks a month. Like, this is very significant income for lots of folks. And he's using a skill that he already has. So yes, I do think everyone has a skill like that. It may not be copywriting. It may be something totally different. Yeah. But that's what I try to pull out from people. Yeah, so that's part of... For those of you listening, you, I recommend you check out his books. I'm not being paid to, to say that, but I like books like you've written that are pretty straight to the point, have practical action plans. This is one of those. I have a buddy who is one of the great marketers of all time, in my opinion, internet guys, and he makes probably nets probably about five million bucks a month. And he always tells me, whenever you're trying to do something, don't forget mm-hmm. to sit in a chair with a notepad and just brainstorm a lot of people go, ah, yeah, what yeah. am I good at? Well, just start brainstorming. Yep. He said, inevitably, you write down 20 things, you cross mm-hmm. off 18 of them, you have two solid starts. I like you know? it. Okay, yep, l- yep. before we go to number two, uh, right. we're already live here. For those of you watching, I'm here with Chris Gillibow. Did I get it right? No, but that's okay. Gillibow. Gillibow. <laughs> that's um, great. We're talking about the $100 startup. How can you start with nothing? or a hundred bucks or less? Or how can you create what's called a side hustle? He's a best-selling author of multiple books. And for those of you uh, listening, one of the most common questions is, how the heck do I start? Well, the way one of the ways you start is he's giving three tips. We've already done one. You've missed some of it. Number one is don't build off a skill you don't yet have. Don't start your first business on something you're not yet good at. It takes a while to acquire skills. So just be, Chris said, just because you see somebody building an app and your buddy made a million bucks on an app doesn't mean you have to build an app. You can do something else. So what's number two? All right. So you mentioned in the little intro, uh, you know, don't be general, be specific. I think that's great because the tip is going to be, you know, don't just have an idea. Probably everybody out there has a business idea. You know, you talk to everybody in the world. They're like, I got this idea. Uh, So what I want to help people do is go from idea to income, which is the subtitle of the book. But to be specific, idea to offer. So if you think about it as consumers, we don't buy ideas. Like we don't go in the store and buy ideas. Like we go and buy, we buy products, we buy services. So I want to help people like when they start to think like, oh, what am I good at? What is that skill that I'm going to build off of? Then they get an idea. They understand like the power of observation, which is something I teach them about in the book. Uh, then I want them to say, okay, here's my idea. But very specifically, here is an offer, right? Mm-hmm. And so an offer includes a promise. It's like, how's it going to change your life? You know, this thing is, how's this going to thing like make your life so much better, relieve stress, make you more money, whatever it is. You know, what's the pitch? How are you going to tell a story about it? What's the price? How are people going to give you money? Like, how are they going to make that exchange uh, of value? So I'm trying to help people go really quickly from not just a general idea, but here's something that I'm actually making. Here's how I deliver it to people. And here's how I get paid for it. Yeah. Yeah. Too many people are. I mean, the way I think the best analogy of business idea versus execution, the idea is the seed. And everybody knows this Twitter needs to be. You can't even see me on the Twitter. Um, everybody knows that a seed in and of itself, unless it's watered, planted, and cultivated mm. and fertilized, does nothing. But the problem is uh, mm. people are enamored. Then they go, I can't start because I don't have a seed. For the average person trying to make less than $10,000 a month, you, I totally agree with Chris, you already have a good enough seed to make 
one to ten thousand dollars a month. I've, it's rare that you meet somebody, and the reason why because everybody has a problem. And one of the old sayings that's so true is that to make a million dollars, help a million people solve a problem. If you want to make a billion dollars, you solve a billion people's problems. Facebook created billionaires. A billion people use Facebook. Google created billionaires. A billion people or more use Google. So to make $10,000, you only have to imagine a world where 10,000 people have the same problems as you, which there's more than that. Probably so. Or you can make yeah. 10 bucks on each person and only help 1,000 people. There you go. Yeah. So what's number what's number three? Uh, the third thing someone needs to know to either start a side hustle or make uh, or or to uh, do a hundred dollar startup. Great. So we started with that idea of um, building on the skills you already have, uh, maybe taking an inventory of yourself, your life experience, your education, all that kind of stuff, maybe questions your friends ask you. Uh, then we talked about going from idea to offer. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say number three is, because I've got this 27-day plan, like 27 days from idea to income, and I'm trying to encourage busy people to follow. Probably a lot of people listening or watching are busy. So I'm going to say that the third thing is to launch before you're ready. Mm. And I have a lot of stories about that. I'm sure you do too, uh, of people who are like, man, I wasn't sure that I was ready to go with this thing. And actually, I, you know, it really wasn't ready. Like uh, there were some features that were missing, like there was some, some problem with it or whatever. But I decided finally, like if I don't just put this out in the world, it's never going to happen. Um, I'm going to find another reason to delay. Mm -hmm. And when they actually put it out in the world, maybe it's a huge success. Maybe it's just a small success, but whatever it is right away, they get more confidence. And then they actually can then go back and like fix the features or, you know, improve it however, but it's out in the world. And I've heard from so many people that are just like, man, if I had never done it, you know, like I can't imagine what my life would be like now. So I'm so glad I, I, I put it out into the world. So I'm trying to get people to do it before they feel ready because they're probably never going to feel ready. They're never going to feel it's perfect. So let's just, let's just push that a little bit. And then also, because a lot of what I teach people about is, um, you know, in the startup world, you hear all this talk about validation, mm -hmm. about how you have to validate your idea. Right. I actually think a lot of ideas can't be validated until you actually do them. Right. You know, like the guy with the cruise thing that we, when we began this conversation by talking about a guy who makes $4,000 a month, you know, writing about cruise questions. I mean, maybe there was some way he could have like gone through some market research or something to go through a validation exercise before he started it. But Probably not. Like he just did right. it and saw what happened, right? So don't worry about the validation thing. Your validation is how the market responds. Yeah, I just had yesterday. I did a, um, uh, I did a little mastermind war room at my house for those of you who watched, and I brought in, I f flew in or the top crypto guys in the world, Bitcoin <laughs> people and yeah, yeah. VCs, and I had uh, some of the top uh, private equity guys, and there was a guy there named uh, Gil Pachina. He's a pretty well known guy, and. He's the largest angel list. You familiar with angel list, which is basically yeah. angel investors, kind of like VCs, but they invest in startups. He had 40 syndicates at once. It's the most in history. Wow. So this guy's one Crazy. of the top investors in Silicon Valley. And if you look at his overall strategy, it's you can't just be a perfectionist. If he was a perfectionist, he wouldn't have been. So he was in 40 syndicates. A syndicate, let's mm -hmm. say, on average could have 40 investments inside of a syndicate. So he could have wow. 160 things going at once. The reason he does that is, uh, going back to the analogy of your idea being a seed, when you plant a garden and you plant corn in your garden, one of the things you learn is that you plant more seeds, you plant them closer together than can actually grow. What you do, let's say in one inch, you're supposed to plant one corn seed, uh, or you're supposed to grow one uh, stalk of corn. You would plant three seeds, 
And then you come back several, like a month later, and you thin out the weak ones. Mm, and so for you as an entrepreneur, what, what Chris mm. is trying to say is that you're too, you're like trying to find the perfect seed, but he's saying until you put it in the ground, water it a little bit, you mm-hmm. don't know which one's the good. All seeds look the same. Right, right. You know? So I feel like a lot of people are focused on before the seeds even in, in the ground. Yeah, like what seed has the They're most potential? The what seeds, seeds going to take off? And you have, you really don't know. So yes. later, absolutely, I totally agree about the pruning thing. You know, let's go through and get through the things that aren't working, maximize the ones, give them the space they need to grow, etc. Um, but first up, get them in the ground. Get over it. Stop being butt hurt hater. Stop projecting. Stop shooting out your insecurities about your own financial situation onto other people that are trying to do their thing. And am I perfect? Of course not. You know, I purposely post stuff on my Snapchat and Instagram that some people consider not angelic because I don't want people to think I'm an angel. I don't want pe- I never projected myself as a religious leader. I'm not Joel Olstein. I'm not saying I'm some moral uh, compass for the world. I am what I am and I am just a regular human sharing their life experience. And my life experience is that each of you watching, if you can come up with 100 bucks, you can change your life financially. Okay? You can change your life financially. And if you get butthurt about that and you're a conspiracy theorist that the rich will always hold down the poor, then good. Go to your grave with your cynicism. It's fine. At the end of the day, we all go into our grave. The cynics, the optimists, the realists, you all go into the grave. <laughs> you all go into the grave with me. There ain't nobody getting out. Even if there's anti-aging, everybody's going to the grave at the basically the same damn pace. Some people do it in an enjoyable way, and some people do it in a depressed, anxious, butthurt, uh, triggered way continually. And you choose your own prison, you know? Some people are their own prison, the prison of the mind. At, at the end of the day, all, va- all go with the way of being a realist. And realist understands that you can't be an optimist and you can't be a pessimist. It's not realistic to say that everybody is going to find financial security, that everybody's going to break out of poverty. It's, it ain't going to happen. Po- poverty is, a, is deep. It's deep at many levels. It goes beyond just a few videos of mine going to solve the whole problem. But if it solves it for one person, then it ain't that bad. If it solves it for two people, I've had hundreds of thousands of people go through my paid training programs. You don't think I have testimonials? Shit. If I bring together all the people that have been helped by my programs... I'm going to do this. I just haven't had time. I do it once in a while. If I put them all in a damn room and just sent that video to anybody who hates on me, you would shut the fuck up. (laughs) I promise you. Because you would see people who are from the inner city. You'd see people who are homeless, who now are living a badass life. I post so many, put it this way, I have so many testimonials pouring in. I have one to two full-time people sorting through testimonials. The day you have to hire a full-time employee, I probably got 70 full-time employees uh, or contractors for my main brand, tylopez.com, not counting my other companies that, but my just my personal brand, Ty Lopez. Um, you know, 
I got to hire one person and pay them 70 grand a year just to manage the testimonials coming through, to manage the videos. And so some people go, oh, how do you know they're all real? Well, probably a fake one slips in here and there, but we look into them. And um, that's, I mean, you know, if you go to, a, go to your community college, try to assemble all the amazing testimonials of people who go, you know what I learned in my community college history of Mesopotamia class? Boy, this changed my life. Show me those testimonials. I'm not saying nobody's ever been helped by community college, but I could tell you this, a lot of damn people spend money on community college and get nothing for it. And some people spend money on my stuff and they get nothing for it too. It's the name of the game. It's how life goes. Like sometimes stuff works for people and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes Cipro, which is one of the most prescribed drugs by doctors on 80, 90% of people, it helps. And the other 10%, get crazy allergies and die and get paralyzed. There's huge side effects to everything, but it doesn't mean you never prescribe antibiotics, you know? Like some antibiotics work, and on certain people, they have massive reactions and they actually kill them. It's part, welcome to planet Earth, the world of some uncertainty. One of the problems in the world, and one of the problems for those of you listening who are trying to start a business, trying to change your life, trying to make more money, trying to invest in stock market, maybe you want to get in Bitcoin and crypto, is your goal is to remove all uncertainty from your life, as if this is it remotely possible. Like, explain how you would remove all uncertainty for your life. People go, well, is this guaranteed that all go from broke to making money? Well, it ain't even guaranteed that you're going to make it to the end of this day. Good chance... Because a lot of people watch my live streams and listen to podcasts, okay, and watch my videos. Let's say 100,000 people are going to watch this or listen to this in the next week. One person getting a run over by a car today. So I can't remove uncertainty. And the second you try to remove all uncertainty, you're a moron. You forgot the name of the game. You don't understand physics. You don't understand biology. You don't understand the natural rhythms of life, which is... Spring, summer, uh, fall, and winter. There's a winter cycle to your own life, to your own entrepreneurial ventures. There will be a spring and when you're planting new seeds and trying new things. There'll be the summer where you have to work hard on accomplishing what you want. The summer on a farm is where you work the hardest. And there will be a fall where you reap, where you get all the good stuff, where you cash in and you make the money. But there will also be a winter. And the winter is a dark time, and it's a time for introspection. It's a time for planning and regrouping, and sometimes it's a time of retreat. And um, there's also a cycle to society like that. We are probably currently in the summer or the autumn, if you live in the United States, and even globally in the world's economy. And there will be a winter. The last winter was 2008. It's a little bit like Game of Thrones. The winter is always coming, you know? And 2008 to probably 2012 was a winter in the world. Six million people lost their homes in the United States. Uh, people around the world, of, of course, the poor usually are hit in a worse way than the wealthy because they don't have as much cash on hand. So when the winter comes, it's like not having a T-shirt or not having a sweater. You get a lot colder. And so people lost money, and then they regroup. And 2012, 13, 14 was, you know, spring and maybe some summer. And uh, right now, things are at an all-time high for people. People are making a lot of money. 
Bitcoin is up. Had you put $100 in Bitcoin in 2010, today you'd have over $75 million. Um, so, you, you know, this is, this is a time of winter, uh, of, uh, of summer, spring, and possibly of the harvest time. But mark my words, the winter will come. Some of you who are unprepared, see, if you're prepared for the winter, it isn't so bad. That's like the whole point of Game of Thrones. The whole point of Game of Thrones is one dude is trying to really prepare the world, right? Jon Snow is like trying to prepare the world for the winter. He's kind of a realist that's like, yo, get your act together or else you're going to be surprised by the White Walkers. And the White Walkers in the modern world are poverty, their economic recession, or what economists call contraction, okay? Contraction in the world is a time of where your bank account contracts. You thought you had $10,000 and now you have, you know, $1,000. That's a contraction of the bank account. And the way you fight that is the same way you fight anything. You fight it actively. You fight fight it through education, through knowing what the hell it is you're fighting. So most people, if you're listening, we're talking about the $100 startup. We're talking about the philosophy of the $100 startup. What people don't understand is that the reason you don't have as much money as you should coming in per month, it's always rooted in not knowing what you're doing. The problem with the education system is pumping out at a continual rate People, based on Bismarck in the 1800, his idea of educational system, which was to create soldiers, right, for Prussia. That's, that's the modern education system is a Prussian, which is before there was Germany. Bismarck is the guy who really created Germany, the modern conception of a unified Germany. It used to be a whole bunch of provinces. You used to have, you know, uh, Prussia was a big one, and you had Bavaria, and you had all these different places. This one dude brought it all together. And he was a big soldier. His name was Bismarck, uh, late 18, I think it was the 1870s or 80s. And he brought together and he created an education system that would spit out soldiers. And soldiers are, you want soldiers to be a little bit like robots. Somebody said Prussia and Russia. No, Prussia and Russia are unrelated. Russia is much more to the east. Prussia was where like Berlin is now in Germany. And so you have... You and I spit out a robotic human being in terms of what we understand about money. So we're spit out with this basic core premise, which is you work hard, you get a job, you get a college degree, financial security, removal of uncertainty. Well, that worked in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s. It began to crumble a bit in the 1970s. Uh, in the 1970s, you had weird things happen in the economy. You had stagflation, okay? You had um, 2000. Uh, in the 1980s, you started to have things like the savings and loan crisis. You had 1987, another crash in the stock market. Then the 1990s came along, and a new era was, came, which was the internet, 1994. And then, you know, Amazon started in 1994, and big and remember that was like the spring. Everything was being planted. 1994, Amazon starting. Uh, uh, the internet as we know it is like really starting. And then like 1999, 2000. All of a sudden the winter came. I was speaking last weekend with Naveen Jain. Naveen Jain made 8.2 billion dollars before the year 2000, and then it crashed. And his company was only worth 
$200 million, from $8 billion to $200 million. So it crashed. That was a contraction period. But he stuck through it, and now he's a billionaire again. And he said he would be because he understood the cycles. And so a lot of you, your problem is you don't understand the philosophy of the $100 startup, the philosophy of going from nothing to something. And for those of you listening, it'll be, as I said, some of you, about 30% of you, are fear-based. So you're trying to remove all uncertainty before you try to change how much money is in your bank account. So like, Ty, what's the guaranteed way I can make more money? Well, there is no guaranteed way. But there's some ways that are a hell of a lot better than others. Whatever the hell it is you sell, you can't be afraid to sell it. And you have to be somewhat apologetic. Some people are like, oh, Ty, you're selling your programs. It's a scam. I'm like, bullshit. Right here across the table, you guys bought my programs. How many of my programs are you in? in probably all of them. All of them. Besides, yeah, I think really- and you've been to my conference. How much have you probably spent? Five grand on my stuff? I would, Yeah, I would say that. And it was actually the door-to-door sales that yep. I made the money to afford. Oh, so you used yeah. the door-to-door sales yeah. to buy you the education. You had a door-to-door sales course? No. No, I, no, no. Uh, they were doing oh, it before yeah. they heard of me. Yeah. But I'm saying you use that money, and then you double down on what you know, and the next thing you know, they're making between right now how much how much you make in the last month drop shipping on facebook and 75 grand 75 grand in courses though we made like what your total um, revenue came in your bank accounts here guys in the bank account right now no no last three days new sales line sales Um, i would say like 120 so they're making a hundred twenty thousand. that's in 30 days 21 and 22 so people are like oh ty are you selling too hard i'm like no i'm not selling hard enough like I should need to be convincing more people, but I don't like I I, I don't sell as hard anymore just because you comfy. It's not just that. It's like let a fool be a fool. And Will Durant, the great historian, said, "Woe to the man who teaches people faster than they're about to learn." You ever try to teach somebody in your family or a friend that's an idiot? And you try to show them the logical truth, and they're like, uh, I had a brother, my brother Jacob. Um, when he was four years old, he decided his name was Bibbit. Okay. He yeah. He literally, he's like very, was a stubborn little kid. And we would have like a party at our house, and he would walk around. He was very professional. And my brother's very formal. My four year old, uh, when he was four years old, he would walk around and formally. My my stepdad's name was Avanzato. So he would walk around and introduce himself and go, hello, my name is Bibbit Avanzato. He couldn't pronounce Avanzato, but that's understandable, right? What Bibbit? No one knows to this day. So he'd go, hello. And so he said it so convincingly that people in my uh, at the party would walk up to my mom and dad and be like, you named your son Bibbit? <laughs> and so the next day after he did this one time to like 100 people at this party, I said, I pulled Jake. I thought maybe I had a speech impediment. I was like 12 or something, and Jacob was like five. And I said, Jacob, can you say J? And he would go, J. And I was like, okay, he's not, doesn't have a speech impediment there. I'd say, can you say cub? And he'd go, cub. So I knew he could say the syllables and the letters and enunciate. So I'd say, Jacob. And he'd go, bibbit. <laughs> Literally, he would walk. It was like one year, J, J. Cub, cub, Jacob, bibbit. And that's how most people are. People will be like, you can't make millions. It's not possible if you didn't inherit it. Okay. Here, I didn't inherit millions. 
I took a hundred bucks, figured out how to make a hundred thousand a year. Then I figured out how to make a hundred thousand a month. Then I figured out how to make a hundred thousand a week. Then I figured out how to make a hundred thousand a day. And now I already know how to do that. Now a goal is how to make a hundred. If I, my businesses can make a hundred thousand dollars an hour. That's the goal. That's $835 million a year. I haven't figured out how to do that yet, but I can help you with that. If you can help me pay $835 million a year, that's baller money. I can help you. But you guys did it. So people are bibbit about. And so that's why I said, woe to the man or woman who tries to teach people faster than they're ready to learn. Most of society is not ready to learn what we're talking about on this episode.